Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. Throughout history, there have been lights that have come into the world whose purpose was to bring light to humanity. The enlightened ones, interestingly enough, come to give light and to help people understand the nature of their existence and the reason for their existence and why, in fact, they were created. And these enlightened beings that are sent by God, by Allah, into the world, stay here for a period of time, disappear, and then reappear somewhere else. In Sufism, they're called Muhayyadeens. Muhayyadeen is a three-part word. Mu is the one. Hai means life. And Deen means the path, the way, the religion. So the ones who bring life back into the religion. And why do you have to bring life back into the religion? Because when religion becomes established, it enters and is faced with many dangers, which changes the nature of the religion. Um, in the Christian world, after the Roman Empire, when um, people were establishing kingdoms, they did it under the authority of Christ and under the authority of church. So after the Roman Empire, we had the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, but what happens is, once the state becomes overly involved in religion, then the inclinations and the purposes and the ideas of the leaders of the state often become part of the religion. So the religion becomes more political than it is a relationship between God and man. <clears throat> and then, if you have to fall in line with the politically correct point of view of the religious state, all of a sudden things are controlled. So Muhayyadeens come, uh, who have no connection to politics, who have no connection to states, whose only loyalty is to God, and whose only purpose is to bring the understanding that God has given to them to humanity. If you are fortunate enough to be able to spend time with such a person, 
Then you get the wisdom of the ages in a direct way. It comes to you from a mouth that is in a human, but a mouth who speaks divine words. And that's an extraordinary thing. Um, you all who are familiar with the Quran know that God spoke through Muhammad's mouth to create the Quran. In certain versions of the uh, New Testament, they have in red the words that Jesus spoke himself as opposed to the words of commentary around what he spoke so that you would understand what the direct message was. I, in my lifetime when I was younger, was fortunate enough to meet a Muhayyadin. And within about two weeks of meeting him, he told me to stop reading books, even his books. He said, what I would need would come directly from him and directly from his mouth and his being. And in truth, you cannot compare the experience of being with a Muhayyadin to reading about a Muhayyadin or reading the words after he has said them. So what is it about being with the Muhayyadin? What is it about being in that situation where you are with him? What do you learn? <clears throat> what do you see? What is it that you begin to understand? Well, when you're young, you're inquisitive, and you have certain questions. Questions about life. Questions about existence. Questions about how we came into being. Questions about purpose. Questions about reasons for things. Questions about acceptance. Questions about where are we going. Questions about why are we here. When you see the Muhayyadeen, you find out that all of those questions are answered within that being. And in developing an understanding of who and what that being is, you begin to understand reality. And in Islam, Haq, the word for reality, is one of the names of God. And in Sufism, Hakikat is the entrance of your life into reality. So, you begin with Shariat, which is following the rules. You go to Tariqat, 
which is trying to find a path towards reality and entering in that path of reality. And then you go into Hakikat, which is living in reality. Now, the point of the Mohayadin is to be able to watch somebody who lives in reality, who doesn't live within the confines of the physical world and within the structure of the physical world and within the rules of this physical illusory world. He lives in a different set of rules, in a different set of circumstances. He doesn't buy into what's being sold in our physical world. The illusory nature of things, the hypnotisms and the magnetisms of things in this world don't attract him in the way they attract ordinary man. His focus is different. His intention is different. And his source of energy is different. Now, in truth, we are all sustained by God. But in our own version of ourselves, we believe we're sustained by other things. Some people are sustained by their wealth. Some people are sustained by their beauty. Some people are sustained by their fame. Some people are sustained by their position of power in the world. And if you pull any of these things out from under them, they lose their energy. They lose their power. They lose their will to live. But the Mohayadeen is not sustained by any of these worldly things. He doesn't have an imagination that imagines things outside of Hakikat as real. Imagine, <laughs> if we can, that we don't believe that things outside of Hakikat are real. So, for him... Reality exists, and he lives in reality. For us, we talk about Hakikat, but we live in the world. We don't live in reality. And one of the reasons you run to Mohayadeen is to taste the honey of Hakikat for moments while in his presence. So, can you walk away from Mohayadeen and take Hakikat with you. Can Hakikat become part of you? Can life in reality become part of you? <clears throat> this is why the Mohayadeen is here. Because he has the ability to transfer to you what he has. And what is his great gift, the ability to live in reality. The ability to bypass the hypnotism and the magnetism and the illusory nature of existence and go right to the core of things. So, he is not driven by worldly gain. 
He is not driven by self-motive. He is not driven by fame or fortune or lust. He's driven by the qualities of God. Because he lives in the qualities of God. The qualities of God are who he is. He becomes our worldly example of compassion. He becomes our worldly example of mercy. He becomes our worldly example of unconditional love. And he displays it for us. He puts it on display. Come into my room and watch unconditional love. Now, he doesn't say that, but that's what he does. And that's who he is. And that's what happens when you come near him. And what happens when you are faced with unconditional love? What happens to you? What is the occurrence that goes on while that happens? Well, I've watched it. And it's different for different people. Some absolutely run away because the power of unconditional love from a being whose entire life is conditional is a really difficult thing to handle. If everything is, I do because, or if you do, I do, or tit for tat, or give me and then I'll give you, or I need, I need, I need. The idea of unconditional love breaks the foundation of their existence. And what the Mohayyadeen is trying to do is break the foundation of your existence. He's trying to take away from you all of the ways that you have lived in a conditional fashion, conditioned on what you can get, conditioned on what you have, conditioned on what you need, conditioned on the illusory world somehow being manipulated by you into a fashion that is sufficient for your needs or satisfies your imagination. And... All the trauma that comes with it, because as you try to manipulate it and fashion it, it doesn't go the way you want it to. So what happens when it doesn't go the way you want it to? You cry, and you weep, and you become distressed and depressed and sad and morose. The world becomes difficult. Why? Because I have an idea of the way things should be, and they're not. Then you go in front of Mohayyadeen, and he says, all of your ideas don't make any sense. All of our ideas are imagination. All of your ideas are illusion, piled on illusion, that lead nowhere. Come, find hakikat. Come, find reality. Come, live in reality. Live in a state of unconditional being, of unconditional love. I am in Hakikat, 
whether I have or I don't have. I am in hakikat, whether I am poor or I am rich. I am in hakikat, whether I am famous or not famous. I am in hakikat, not because of my relationship with the things in the world, but because of my relationship with God. And my relationship with the things of the world are secondary, tertiary, far away from what I truly need in my existence. And if my existence is based on what I need in the world... There's only one outcome. There's only one result. And it's going to be disappointment. Because the world only offers disappointment. It only offers things that disappear. It only offers illusory things. It only offers illusion. It only offers things that aren't real. The imagination makes them appear real. The mind holds on to them as if they are real. The mind makes you think that that which isn't is. The mind is your own personal magician who is trying to envelop you in the torpor of believing that illusion is reality. That illusion is hakikat. And it's not. And that's what the whisperer does. Satan comes to tell you that all of the things that aren't real are real. And when you begin to understand that those things are not real, and there is a safe haven for you in this world where you are protected from all of the disappointments and the disasters and the shortcomings of illusion, then your life begins to change. But first, you have to see that truth. You have to accept that truth. And that truth has to become more important to you than the mind that tricks you into believing the importance of the world. So we need to somehow bypass that mind. We need to somehow become free from the chains that the world has put around us and bound us in. The worldly way of looking at things understands this to a degree. In America, people say, don't get caught in the rat race. Uh, don't be the guinea pig that's constantly spinning his wheel. Get off the treadmill. Don't go to places that don't go anywhere. No matter how long you're on the treadmill, you're still in the same place. Just your legs keep moving either faster or slower. We need to go somewhere. But that place we need to go is not measured 
by lineal distance in this world. That place we need to go is the short space between the mind and the heart. And we need to make that move. The mind is full of having concepts as to what is important and what is not important. It's full of comparisons of I am better than you and I need this more than I need that. The mind doesn't deal in an unconditional way with things. The mind is full of conditions and is constantly setting up conditions for everything you do in the world and then writes a review about what happened. It's a critic. And it then does a criticism of you. Just like you heard from your parents or your teachers or whoever was criticizing you. Imagine having grown up in an unconditional loving world. Imagine that love was the only criteria that existed between you and your teachers. And that as that love grew, so did you. And you grew nurtured in that love. The Quran says that there is no compulsion in religion. And that's because force cannot make you into a lover. Only love can make you into a lover. But what has happened with religion, as opposed to trying to create a station of love between you and God, they're trying to create a station of obedience between you and man with the interpretation that from that obedience comes a true relationship to God. A true relationship to God comes through love. Love of your fellow man, love of your fellow beings, love of humanity, and an unconditional love of humanity. Religions set up conditions. My religion is better than your religion. My way is better than your way. You can't go any other way but my way, or else you're doomed to hell because God wants you to do this. Man is telling you God wants you to do this. And why do people run to a Mohayadeen? Because they realize they've been lied to for so long by man. And somehow it doesn't sit right inside of themselves. Somehow their innate nature that spark of God that exists within them says, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in Hakikat. And what's interesting is we can be in either place sitting in the same chair and looking at somebody who's in Hakikat 
and looking at somebody who's drunk, you may not be able to tell the difference. Because if you can't see hockey cot, how are you going to tell that someone's in hockey cot? If you don't understand hockey cot, how are you going to be able to understand that that person is in a space that has transcended the normal way of being, that has transcended the worldly illusions, that has transcended the push and pull of everyday life. Those people exist. Be with them. Find them. Listen to them. Do what they say. And then you too can become an oracle of the truth. You too can become an exemplar of love. But understand that as long as you have conditions, it's going to be very difficult for you to find that truth. As long as you have judgment, it's going to be very difficult for you to find that truth. As long as that critic is running in your mind that is putting everything in its place and everything in its order and giving everything a status up and down, high or low, it's going to be very difficult to find that place. Learn to love without criticism. Learn to love without condition. Learn to love. Learn to accept people as they are. Don't try to change them. God changes them. Love changes them. You don't change them. But what you can do is bring God's love into the present and into the equation. And then watch that work. That is the way truth comes into the world. And that is why God sends Muhayyadin to bring his unconditional love into the world and make people know that that unconditional love exists. And when you love that way, you can become part of that. But as long as your life is conditional, as long as you have preset standards for loving, you are separating yourself from men and you are separating yourself from God in the process of separating yourself from man because your love isn't real. The Christians say, love the sinner, don't love the sin. We need to understand the meaning behind that. We need to understand what love can do, and how love is corrective. How love is the real rehabilitation. There is no other rehabilitation other than love. And we need, if we want to help, we need to love. If we want to improve, we need to love. If we want to know the truth, we need to love. We cannot find the truth if we cannot love. So it's a prerequisite for our 
entry into hakikat, into reality. And God wants us to enter reality, and we want to enter reality for ourselves, because deep inside of us, we know that all that we see is not real. There's another reality, and we need to know that. May it come to pass that if each of us finds that place, each of us finds ourselves in that state of love so that the truth becomes at one with us and we become at one with it. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.